Okay, without further ado, we're going to um, baptise Christine. But we just want to, before we do that, I just wanted to say what we're doing this morning is not making Christine a Christian. What she's done is already made a decision to follow Jesus. Um, and this isn't earning her salvation, but actually this is her just um, symbolically saying that I am died to my old self. And this is what baptism is. As um, Christine goes into the water and um, Malcolm and Sharon are going to baptize her, as she goes under the water, she's saying, I'm dying to my old self. And as we eventually raise her back up out of the water, we're saying uh, she is a new creation. Um, So without further ado, can we um, give Christine a welcome? Is she here? No. Hang on. I'd like to keep you on the edge of your seats. Is she coming? She's in makeup. Okay, well, I, let me just read a scripture as well that uh, talks about baptism. It's, this is Romans 6. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might too walk in the newness of life and that's what we're celebrating this morning is Christine walking in the newness of life and she's now here so let's give her a warm welcome everyone that would have livened things up wouldn't it Steve, while you're in there, you might as well baptise her. Um, okay, this is my lovely friend, Christine. Um, I've got to know Christine over the last year or so. She's been coming um, to cafe for quite some years now, haven't you? Um, now, Christine, tell us a little bit about what life was like uh, before you've kind of made this decision, before God kind of really come into your life. Um, I was suffered quite badly from depression quite often thinking of ways to sort of kill myself and trying to not make it look too horrible um yeah so I was I, I my life wasn't easy it's never been easy but it still isn't easy but it's better yeah. so yeah that was um, there was something you said to me um on Saturday actually that really stuck no Friday that really stuck by me you said that your life hasn't changed dramatically around you but but you've changed tell yeah tell us yeah I've changed an awful lot the depression is completely gone um I'm I'm a lot more tolerant um quieter a lot more understanding I don't tend to argue so much as I used to because I've learned that from the bible if you don't answer you can't argue so I let them all shout and I don't say anything <laughs> and that works really well yeah life is a lot better for me my my life is better me myself yeah. that's great uh, just just tell us some of us have heard before but tell us about that encounter when you walk, was walking your dog on the on the hill yeah well when it first started I started doing the alpha course uh, Sharon asked me to come and do the alpha course which conveniently was being done on a Tuesday afternoon because I couldn't get out in the evenings so I thought oh that, that's you know calling me so, and I got really quite involved and then I started coming to the church and I accepted Jesus and then we did the Holy Spirit and sort of nothing happened so I was out walking my dog a couple of days later um, just a little patch of 
ground nearby where I live. Nobody goes there, really. And I, it was a beautiful day, and I sat down, and I thought, I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit to come into me now. But because I'm a bit of a doubter, I want proof, I said. And all of a sudden, I just felt this, like, rain just on my shoulders and my arms. Not on my legs, not on my head, just my shoulders and my arms, not on my dog. <laughs> just really like rain. And I just filled with something amazing. And I was warm and wonderful and I was full of life and happiness. And I opened my eyes and it was just beautiful. All of a sudden, trees that had just been trees were just beautiful. The grass was green. It was just like, I've seen everything. It was like, they say, my eyes were opened to, the, to life. And everything became completely clear to me that... There is Jesus, there is a God, there is life after death. All the things I sort of was a bit doubtful about, it's there, it's true. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and tell us about the other encounter that you had with it. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I'm, I'm, as I say, my, my life around me hasn't changed. I've still got lots of trouble with my family, my son particularly. And... I'm trying to tell people about him because he's... I think he's got a bit of a mental illness and he's not being very nice. And he was quite horrible to me. But they're all going, oh, turn your back on him, you know, ignore him, leave him alone, don't go near him, don't do it, don't speak to him. But he's my son, you know. And nobody in my family could understand. And my husband went off to work, my daughter went off to school and took, take, uh, left her little grandson with me and went off to school. And he went in the room. And I just suddenly... I was so at the depths of despair with it all. Really sad, not depressed, because that doesn't come anymore, but really unhappy. And I just banged my fist down and said, I'm so alone. And from there, I went to there in 10 seconds. It was like an electric shot went through me. My heart beat, my tummy went over, I filled with all this warmth. And I just heard, you're not alone, you'll never be alone, I'm always with you. And I have just been completely different again because I know I'm not alone. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that incredible? It's been such a privilege to get to know Christine over this last year or so. And, and, you, and it, it's strange how you often see people come through Alpha becoming Christians. You literally see them. They look visibly different. And I think, uh, Christine, you could say that about her as well. She just looks different and um the doctor said that to you what did the doctor say yes well i went into the doctor to tell him tell her what was happening and i said i'm wanting to cut down on the antidepressants because i'm not only on them because of depression but i've got me so they help with the me and i said i want to cut back down and she said do you know what when you walked in here a year ago you looked so ill she said no you look so lovely <laughs> so well so different and that was my own doctor so isn't that great Okay, without further ado, and ask Malcolm and Sharon are, are going to baptise us, so if you don't mind dipping in now. And I don't like water. <laughs> yes. Yeah, aren't Ma Malcolm's trunks pretty snazzy this morning? So, Christine, you know that the Lord is still with you right now. He's so pleased with you. He's so proud of you. Christine. Do you repent of your sins? I do. Do you accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? I do. And do you resolve to follow him with the help of the Holy Spirit? 
for the rest of your life. I do. On the profession of your faith, it is with amazing pleasure and joy that we baptise you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay, if you want to come out and just a few people maybe gather around and pray for her, that would be good. If you feel like God's spoken to you about um, her as well, just encourage the prophetic. Let's wrap her up first and get her a bit warm. Lord Jesus, um, I just want to say thank you so much for Christy. Thank you that your hand is on her life. Thank you that you love her, that you chose her, that her name was written in your book of life, that um, before the creation of the world you had her in mind. And Lord, we just want to give praise and honour and glory to you. I pray, Lord, that she will um, just really excel in her her walk with you now, that, Lord, um, the love that she has for you and the love for others will really shine brightly to those that she lives around. I want to pray for her family, Lord, that you will bless them and they will see the love of God in her and want to know you, Lord. So we just say thank you for her. Bless her in Jesus' name. Thank you. We just want to pray for all the difficulties that Christine's got going on around her. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will come on this family in power. We pray that you will bind the hand of the enemy over her family and her home, her husband, her children, her grandchildren. We call them into the kingdom in the name of Jesus. We pray that you will bless this family mightily and powerfully, that your favour and your blessing will be poured out upon them for your glory, for your glory, Lord, that you you will be revealed revealed through this family in mighty ways in Jesus mighty name Christine you came in this morning and you were amazing you were wearing an amazing jumper and it had the picture of a a lion or some wild beast with um, with eyes shining really really strong and I believe God says, you are going to be so strong in my kingdom you are going to come with the softness of the fur of a lion, but the power of the Holy Spirit will go before you and nothing will stand in the way of your faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. See a picture of a bumblebee. Immediately we started to pray. And for years, um, scientists said it was impossible for bumblebees to fly because they, they couldn't work out how it would happen, but obviously they flew. And I feel the Lord would say this, I'm going to make things that seem impossible in your life come to, come to pass. I just feel that as you pursue him and as you pray and as you dig into God and as you get before him and ask and seek him, the Lord's going to bring things that seem impossible about in your life. So I just feel God wants to give you this picture of the bumblebee to remember, hey, I can do what is impossible to men. When I was praying for you this morning, I had a picture of two houses, and one was the former, and the other one's now, really, and the former was a, was a sweet little cottage, um, but it was on the sand, and it had welcome over the door, and it looked a cosy little cottage, and I, I felt that was you, Christine. You've always had a big heart, and you've, people have been attracted to you, and uh, you know, just want to come and be with you in your cosy little cottage, but then I saw another one, and it was firm on a rock. 
and this one had its door open and its windows open and there were flowers in the garden and there was a smell of baking and it was just a a beautiful sight that um, I felt the Holy Spirit was just blowing through, through the windows and doors and it's like you're, you're this little house that will have God in you, blowing through you, working through you and there's a huge welcome over the sign that is still going to attract these people but it's God working with you now and you are safe on the rock. Thank you, Lord. Christine, I really believe that you're going to carry hope wherever you go. You've lived under hopelessness. And we heard last night that nothing is hopeless. And I release that spirit of hope over you in the name of Jesus and over your family in Jesus' name. You're going to carry hope everywhere you go. And it's going to be contagious to all those people that you come into contact with, including your family and your son. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Great. Let's give her a round of applause again, shall we? Okay. You can go and get warm now. Um, Just before we close the pool up, um, we often will do this and say if you... uh, What Christine was doing this morning was was being obedient because that's what the Bible instructs us to do is believe... And be baptized. So if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then it says to be baptized. So if you haven't been baptized and you believe in Jesus, then the pool is still open. Malk is still in his trunks. <laughs> you, can, you can do that now. We have a spare towel and some clothes. They're not great clothes. They're my clothes. But um, no, they're no, uh, Gemma's clothes. That's better. Yeah. It's a bit, bit more in this century. Um, yeah, so the offer is open. Speak now or forever. Well, not forever, hold your peace. <laughs> just for now, just for today. Um, okay, but also, if you want to be baptised but don't want to do it now, then come and speak to myself or Malcolm or Adam. We would love to speak to you about that, and we'll be doing more baptisms in the new year. We want to get this pool open as often as possible. Praise God. It's lovely to be here on such a special occasion and just to watch Christian go through the waters of baptism. Uh, can you hear me? Okay, it's, it's a bit ringy. I can hear it ringy, but I'm sure they can adjust it if they can. Good morning. But as I was saying, it's always a joy to watch someone go through the waters of baptism. And like our sister, I had a similar experience where, uh, like Christine, having that experience, it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit that came upon her. And really, that is a sign that she already had been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ as a believer. And then she went through the waters of baptism. But sometimes when you read the book of Acts, we see that there's people who got baptized in water first, then received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I wanted to do some teaching this morning on the whole thing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and so that you have a scriptural foundation to build a teaching on. And so I would encourage you to take notes if you like to do that, that you can study it more yourself afterwards or 
I believe if it's taped, then you can listen to it and follow it through with the scriptures. I did listen to Ian and another guest speaker speaking here in the church, so I thought I would speak on this subject this morning. So, can I have my glasses or my coat, please? No. This is my lovely wife. She's really blessed. But the first scripture that I wanted to share with you, I wrote these down from John chapter 7. So that we see here what the Lord's teaching himself is on this. It says on the last day of the of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, verse 37, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from him. And verse 39 then says, By this he meant that the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Now they were believers, but Jesus had not yet been glorified. He had not been to the cross, so they could not be regenerated and saved. It was the old economy of the old covenant that they were in a relationship with God as believers. But we can only be saved through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, but the Spirit will come. He says, at this stage, the Spirit was for those who were later to receive the Holy Spirit. So here he promises the Holy Spirit, but he says it's not yet given. Then in John 14, again we read this in verse 16. John 14, verse 16. Here again, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 15, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father. He will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. But note the difference there. He was with them at this stage, but he was not living in them. So Jesus, again, is promising that there's more to come. And that's the great thing about being a Christian. We realize that there's so much more of God to be experienced. Paul says in Philippians, I want to know him, the power of his resurrection. And I thought, well, if anybody knows him, it's Paul. Why is he saying, I want to know him? when he's experienced God. But God has a way of revealing himself more and more to you that you are constantly amazed. Now, here Jesus is promising again that the Holy Spirit, who is with them at this time, but he will be in you, he promises them. And then in verse 17, he says this as well. Oh, that is verse 17, sorry. Verse 26. Yes, he says this. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things 
and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. But he says there that the Holy Spirit is called counselor. And in the Greek there, the word is parakletos. And it's interesting here that when the Lord is talking, he says here that this is for those who love me, that they will experience the parakletos or the Holy Spirit. And again, he says they're counselor. But this can be translated advocate, uh, friend. There's other words that are used, you know, comforter, strengthener, helper. All of these mean this. But the way that it's written, it says another. And the Greek word for another is heteros, which means another of a different kind. But here he uses a different word altogether. He uses ana, which means another of the same kind. It's another comforter, which is the spirit of Jesus Christ. And that's important because he's the spirit of truth and he reveals all things what Jesus had taught them. One occasion Jesus said, what I do now, you know not, but you shall know hereafter. And he says, when the comforter comes, he will reveal these things to you. And the spirit reveals the truth. Throughout the scriptures, you'll see it says he's the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, but he reveals truth to you. Do you know why? It's the truth that sets you free. I said last night, information will not change you, but revelation does because the spirit speaks to your spirit and reveals. And that's how people become God conscious. When the spirit of God quickens their spirit, we are made of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. The body makes you earth conscious, of course. Isn't that right? And the soul is the self-conscious. But the spirit makes you God-conscious. And Ian read from Ephesians 2, you who were dead in trespasses and sins, he says the spirit has what made you alive. He quickens your spirit and you become God conscious. And that's what Christine was sharing in her experience there. As she was out walking there and the Spirit of God came upon her. And that tingling sensation, it, it happened to me. I had got converted on a Monday evening and I started to read the New Testament. And when Friday I had finished, I'd come to the book of Revelation and I thought, <clears throat> I'm near finished. <clears throat> this is the last book. I'm sitting in, on my bed, starts to read it, and I thought, oh, my goodness, what is this? It's like Star Trek. <laughs> I was waiting to see Spock's name mentioned or something. And here's me, and there's monsters. And what, what is all this? And I just went, Lord, are you listening? I'm going to wait five years I'll wait to him save five years and then I'll read the word this because I can't understand this. I just can't get my head around it. And I'm sitting there holding the New Testament in my hand and just as Christine described, I felt this rush of like water come over me. I just like swooshing over me like this and <clears throat> three times it happened. And I smiled when Christine said the same. I was saying, God, what was that? Do that again. <laughs> and I sat on top of my bed like a wee fat Buddha 
on my hands like this, all shouting, God, go ahead. I wasn't ready the last time. I want to feel that again. And I didn't know what it was. I was only saved three days. And I said to the prison chaplain, guess what happened to me last night? And I thought, what do you call that? And I said, do you ever watch Star Trek? He says, yes. I said, you know when they stand on the platform, they go all tingly? <laughs> I says, that's what happened to me. He says, keep taking your tablets. <laughs> what do you say? I did not know until I read the Bible more and realized. But you know what I'm going to tell you? This is what I do know. That very next day when I came out and guys were saying, have you joined the God Squad? And I says, yes. And they're all going, hallelujah, here comes Packy the Apostle. And that was my nickname the rest of the time I was in jail. I, you know, I started to carry, this is my Bible. I started to carry my Bible to the church service. And they're all shouting, who's that nut with a handbag? <laughs> I says, I might be a nut, but I'm screwed to the right bolt. But you know what I'm going to tell you? The Spirit of God gave me a boldness. And this is what I want to say. I realized that he had changed me. And that all the flack that the guys were shouting and all, you know what? I could take it with a smile. It didn't bother me at all. Do you know why? Because I knew the truth. And I had a joy. I was telling the people last night that when the prison guard came around to turn off the light at 11 o'clock, they always check, lift the hatch to see how you are, if you're okay. And he lifted the hatch. And I just happened to be standing with my New Testament, walking up and down the cell like this, right? And he just seen me. And I was crying. And here is Hamilton. Are you okay? I said, I'm so happy. <laughs> so happy. And the poor man said, oh, he's, he's gone. He's flipped his lid. And he was walking down. I got to hear him say, happy, happy. How can he be happy at all? But, you know, the Bible says there's a great, great joy in Jesus. But let me just continue with this so that you get hear what I'm saying here, right? And John, here he says, I will pray that the Father will give you another counselor, right? And the word there's there, as I said, it's another of the same kind, meaning that it is the spirit of Jesus, right? And he will lead us into all truth. The next verse I want to look at is 16, verse 7. And again, in my Bible, these words are all read because it emphasizes that it's Jesus that is speaking. He said this then, I am going to send him who sent me, but none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things. He says, you're filled with grief, but I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt. He, in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin, because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned, he says, I have more to say to you, more than you can bear. 
But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. The only way we can know God is by our spirit. Not by the intellect or the mind. No. God is spirit. And they that worship him, he said to the woman that the world must be in spirit and in truth. And so the spirit of God quickens the word of God. Sometimes when I travel, people will come to me and say, has the Lord given you a word for me? And I go, how long? Yes, he has. Oh, what is it? He says, read your Bible. If you want to know God's voice, you read your word, the word of God. It says in 1 Samuel 3, God continued to reveal himself to Samuel. And there's an interesting thing for all you young ones. The spirit of God came upon this boy. He didn't say, wait till you grow up. He experienced God as a child. And that's why I love to hear testimonies of people who have been 60 or 70 years with the Lord. But he says this in Samuel God continued to reveal himself, revelation. What does he say? Not by the voice of God, but through his spirit, through his word. It's a living word. And I was showing uh, Graham last night just in my Bible where I've underlined scriptures and I write the dates beside them when the Lord would tell me things. And I've learned now I'm a Christian 37 years and I know and I can hear God's voice when he, he tells me things. And there's times I, I use the gifts of the Spirit. There's times I'll speak to strangers. The Lord, if I'm walking down the street and it's happened, the Lord, I look at somebody and I make eye contact and the Spirit of God will send me, go over and speak to her. And I say, right, okay. So I'll just walk over towards them. And while I'm walking towards them, the Spirit said to me on this occasion, ask her about her brother, Mark. So I just says to her, excuse me, have you a brother called Mark? Yeah, do you know him? Here's me, no, God just told me about him. And she looked at me and the Spirit of God says, tell her, her brother will be saved before the year is up because I have heard her prayers. And I says, God has told me to tell you, your brother will be converted before the end of the year. And her eyes were that size. And she started to cry, and here she is. Oh, he, he lies on the road when he's drunk, shouting for cars to run over him. She says, I don't know what will happen to him. I says, well, you know now what's going to happen. You put him on the wanted list, and he's going to be saved before the year's up. And I'm saying this, when we use the gifts of the Spirit, you know, we can learn to hear God's voice. We can Jesus says in John 8, my sheep hear, hear my voice and they follow me. But it's important that we say this. Learn the word of God. Spend time in the word of God. If you want to hear God speak to you. I used to think, how do Christians, when they say this, God spoke to me? And I think, how does that happen? When God spoke to me that night, I was saved. And God is a gentleman. Everybody would call me by my nickname. But God didn't. He says, David, it's time to change to become a Christian. He called me by my name. And I did not know then, oh, God has just spoke to me. Not at all. 
But I'd learned this that over the next few years, and I learned to hear the, the voice of God. And there's times then when I'd be in the Spirit, just reading my Bible, or sometimes when I begin to pray, the Spirit would speak to me and reveal things to me. And he just said to me, there's a man coming in to preach two weeks' time, but he will have a word for you. Rima. The word is logos. But when God gives you a personal word, it's rima, because it's applicable to you. And I says, right, okay, I'm waiting for this. And sure enough, this man came in, was up preaching, and throughout the whole service, I'm sitting at the bit of paper. If he sneezed, I wrote it down. <laughs> Two sneezes, one cough, and a hiccup. And you know what? The meeting was over, and I thought, what did I get out of that? Lord, was that downtown radio I was listening to instead of the word, you know? And then the prison officer was escorting the men out of the chapel, and there was two rows emptied. And here is, excuse me one moment, could you bring those men back? And the guards turned and looked at him and what? And he says, right, turn around and all. The guys all come in and sat down again. And I knew this is it. And here he is. The Lord has told me, I know this is strange, but he says, the Lord has told me that there's a man here who has got saved here in the prison and God's going to use him as an evangelist. And he says he'll see many come into the kingdom. And I'm sitting there and someone shouts, that's Packy the Apostle. That's a Packy one. You know, but I'm telling you, I was gobsmacked. I, could, I thought, no. Can God speak right to you personally like that? Through a stranger, through believers, he can. And I just says, I went back to my cell and I was overwhelmed. And, and even the other guys there, I had led guys to the Lord in jail, even at this time. And guys just says, that was powerful. How could God do that? And, uh, you know, just in my walk with God, I seen the reality of God so many times. I was reading the word and I felt convicted I should get water baptized. And I thought, that's right. I'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I had been baptized in the body of Christ, but I had not had water baptism. And I was working in the kitchen, frying stuff, and it just so happened the governor was walking past with two principal officers. You're not allowed to speak to prison governors. It's against the rules. And I'm standing there with my kitchen weights on, cooking away, and the governor, and I just looked at him, and I realized, because I knew this, he had been a Baptist minister. So I just said, excuse me, sir, can I speak to you a moment? And here he is. Hamilton, that's highly irregular. That's what he said. And the two officers were looking really good. And I says, listen, the scriptures say you should be water baptized. And I says, I, I'm a Christian, 18 months. I want to get water baptized. Do you think I'm going to let you out of prison to get water baptized? I says, I hope you do. <laughs> There's little chance. And he says, where could we do it? I says, we could do it in a laundry basket or in the bathhouse. And here is, let me think about this. And off he went, and the two guards were still 
somebody says, how did you get off with that? You should be on the punishment blocks. And three months later, I thought he had forgot. And I was, Hamilton, the governor wants to see you. I went down into his office. Here's, we're going to have a baptismal service. And I says, really? Yeah! I was dead excited. Here's, we're going to do it in the bathhouse. Now, the bathhouse is just an ordinary prison cell with a big cast iron bath in it. And I says, great. He says, yes. Now, we'll keep it a secret. And I, secret? There's no secrets in jail. You know, there's no privacy in jail. You go into the toilets and there's just a wee partition between you and you can talk to everybody in the room. You know. And he says, we're going to do it. And he says, I'll have Christian prison officers on duty that day. And when they're all locked up for lunch, then we'll let you... Is there any others? I says, yes, there's five others. And sure enough, that day, the class officer came down and opened the cell door. And he says, Hamilton, there's a new towel and a new pair of underpants. I said, oh, this is great. Because <laughs> we were having visitors, we had to look the best. But he, the governor had invited Salvation Army and a Methodist minister and a couple of others. And sure enough, we went down and we just filled the bath up with water. And we had, we'd never done this before. So I said to the guys, just do whatever I do. So I got in, put my knees up the front, and sure enough, they dumped me. And they were just standing alongside the bath. But the last guy getting baptized was Big Geordie. And he was like two men and a wee lad, <laughs> right? He gets into the bath, puts his legs up, and then he just goes, and the water just shot up the sides, <laughs> and the governor's standing at the very end, and he's drenched, and the three guests at this side, they're all dripping, I mean dripping. And I looked at the governor, and everybody looked at the governor like this, and here's the governor. <laughs> and he just burst out laughing. So everybody else felt free to laugh. And I had to say, Jordy, get out again. We'll fill it up again. But go down slow. You know? <laughs> but it's recorded on the 29th of May, 1983, there was a baptism at Crumlin Road Jail. But God goes before us in all of these things. I'm saying that, that, that we see God do these things but here in this passage now that, that I've shared as well, he says, again, but the Spirit will come. You will receive the Holy Spirit. Then in John 20, it says in John 20, 22, that Jesus had been speaking to the disciples. And the amazing thing is here when we read this, it says there, Again, Jesus said then, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. But here there's an impartation. I want you to grasp this truth, right? On the resurrection, was, this was not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't. It was regeneration. And when the word there says there, he breathed on them. The, the, the Greek word there is infusio, 
And it's again, it's, that's how it's translated in the Septuagint, the Greek version of the New Testament. But it's interesting, it's used in Genesis 2-7, and God breathed into the nostrils and gave man life. God the Father breathed, right? It's used in Ezekiel, I think it's uh, 36, if I remember rightly, 37 verse 9. But it says there that the Spirit breathed upon the dry bones and give Israel life. And here in John 20, Jesus breathes upon his disciples and gives them new life. They were regenerated in the fullest sense of the word. And the way that it's written in the Greek, it says, the orist tense, it says, receive now the Holy Spirit. And they had that impartation. From that moment on, you could really say, technically, that was the birth of the church. Not Pentecost. But in my Bible here, it says, when you turn the page, Jesus says to them, now tarry in Jerusalem and wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, you could argue and say, well, what happened there then in John 20 if they received the Spirit then? If you turn to Acts 1 then, you'll see this further. It says there in verse 5, do not leave Jerusalem. This is after his resurrection. He had appeared to them for over a period of 40 days. On one occasion when they were eating, he gave them his command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised. The promise of the father, which you've heard me speak about. Because several times, as I pointed out to you, he said to them, but you shall receive the Holy Spirit. Later you will receive the Holy Spirit. And he's preparing them. Wait for the promise. I want you to grasp this truth. There's a secondary experience of the Holy Spirit. And fillings after that. That's what Christine witnessed, testified about. That when she was there on her own, sitting there, the Spirit of God came upon her, just as it happened to me. Jesus said, now stay in Jerusalem. Do you know why? You need an endowment of power before you can witness for God. Do you know why? The fear of man will rob you. It will. Or you'll be frightened or, or scared to speak up or say anything. When you see the Holy Spirit, it gives you an endowment of power. And I'm going to tell you this. When I experienced that, they could call me all the wanted packy the apostle, but I'm going to tell you this. I witnessed to everybody in the jail. I began preaching six months later in the prison chapel, and, and that was one of the reasons why I became so well known, because that was the main prison where everyone was sent into when you first go into jail. It was Crumlin Road Jail. And so men would go there and then be sentenced and then sent out to other prisons. But I led men to the Lord, and they were sent out to other prisons. And, that, and so that's how so many people knew me then. But the, the, the thing was this. Before that, I would have just done what everybody else was doing. If the commander in the jail says, everybody out, you got up and walked out, that's the way it was. You see, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it gave me a boldness. It did. And I could not keep it to myself. It was Easter Sunday. And I'm sitting in my cell thinking, this is Easter Sunday. This is when Jesus... When I went down to the canteen, there was about 250 men all having their breakfast. 
And I just got up on the seat. I says, I want you to hear this. You can't keep a good man down. Jesus Christ is alive. And I says, he rose from the grave. And I says, I have resurrection power living in me because I know him. And they're all says, wait till some other time or wait till you're in the chapel before you start preaching. Don't be preaching in the canteen. But you know, honestly, I had to share it with them that Jesus had risen from the dead. And it was just, where did that boldness come from? I'm telling you this. It was because the Spirit of God quickened me. And here, this teaching here, as I'm saying to you here in Acts 1.5, he says to him, wait until you receive in a few days. So there's a hint to him. He says, in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I want you just to grasp this truth as well. Because the preposition that he uses, he says, with. It says, you will be baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He said, John baptized with water, meaning the medium that they used was water. And Jesus says, here it will be the Holy Spirit is the medium. And it's Jesus that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Not only once do you find the word baptized by the Spirit. And it's what Ian says concerning Christine. She had been baptized by the Spirit previously into the body of Christ. This was only an outward sign of what already has taken place in her life. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, where you first see it, where it says, baptized by the Holy Spirit, every other time the preposition is always used with in, in the Greek it's en, but it's the word in, or it can be uh, with, but never by the Holy Spirit, because it's Jesus who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Evangelicals sometimes miss that truth, and they think, well, it's all one. There's only one baptism, one spirit. Well, I'm going to tell you, John baptized with water. There's several words used for baptism. It can be water baptism and everything else, or it can be the Holy Spirit. But I'm saying to you this, this is all I want you to hear is this. When we know that there's more of God to be had, right? When we spend time in his word, for it says, I will give my spirit to those who obey me. That's who it's for. It's for those who have a heart after God. Jesus said, whoever is hungry comes unto me. Whoever is thirsty, he says, I'll satisfy that. But it's because we seek him. And you know what? I had that experience in jail. There was times when the guard came to let us out for exercise. I'd say, no, I'm staying in. Because I knew I would have peace and quiet for a whole hour in my cell on my own without my cellmate. And he was nuts anyway. I told you about bungalow last night. But I'm saying I wanted to spend time on my own. And over the next six years, I grew. And I realized there is an endowment of power. And I've been on the road, as I said. I have seen some amazing things. I was in Scotland doing a week's mission. And there was a man give his heart to the Lord. And he was a Satanist. He was Alistair Crowley's secretary. If any of you know who Alistair Crowley was, he was he wrote the Satanic Bible. And he was the top 
Satanists in the United Kingdom. This guy was a secretary and he came to a meeting and he got gloriously saved and he, he had a big devil ring, a ram's head with big horns on it and it was embedded in his finger. And when I led him to the Lord on the Friday, he says, I, I can't get this ring off. I'll try and cut it off when I go home. But he came to church on Sunday and he still had the big ring on and he says, it's too far in, I can't get it off. And when we started to praise, isn't the important of praise? As we started to worship God, we were led into the presence of God. And I just felt the Shekinah glory come upon us. And the pastor then went to stop the preaching or the singing for me to get up to speak. And I says, no, let us sing on because God's doing something here. So he just looked at me and I stood up then and I stepped up on the platform and I says, listen, you don't need an ambassador when the king arrives. And I says, I want you to stand up, raise up your hands and we'll continue on praise. So everybody stood to their feet and just as I'm standing there, next thing the guy puts his hands up and the ring just went, and he shot up in the air and landed on the platform. And here he is, I've never seen power like this before. And he was going like this. Oh, what did I tell you? Everybody else was up. You know what I realized? Do you see when people see miracles? I was in a drug rehab and, and we were going into Berlini prison and I was leading a team. And when we got to the door of the prison, the guy says, which uses David Hamilton? I says, I am. He says, right, okay. Everyone else is allowed in, but not you. I says, oh, he says, we are not letting no terrorist come and speak in our prison. We are supporting our brothers in Northern Ireland. And I just says, well, guy, go use on in. I'll sit outside. But I was invited to speak in a rehab by two officers who come out and says, your friends will be in there for hours, so you may as well come with us. And it was run by the Catholic Church. And the guy introduced me to the priest. And he says, David has an amazing story. And he says, he would share it if you want with the boys and girls on the program. And the priest said, would you do that? And I says, I'm happy to. I got up, there must have been 70 of them sitting. And I preached. And I said to him, the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead can break the whole of drugs and alcohol in your life. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I said, do you believe that? Nobody moved. And I said, you're listening to me. Resurrection power can break the hold that binds you in your life. He can set you free. And the girl at the back went like this. And I looked down and she was crying. She had makeup on. She looked like Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> All the makeup rolling down her face. And then I just says, can I pray for you? And she went like this. And here's me. Come up to the front. And she came out into the aisle. And she had a steel caliber on her leg. And she came up like this. And I watched her. And my heart went out to her. I thought, it's bad enough having an addiction. You know, but this girl you know, invalid like this. And as she came up to me, my seat was empty where I had been sitting. And I said, 
sit down there, I'm going to pray and ask God to touch her leg. And there was two boys leaning against a radiator, and here they are, touch her leg. Do you hear them? And everybody looked over, and they all laughed. And I just looked over at them, never said nothing. And the girl sat down. And I said to her, let me pray for you. And I lifted the leg and with the caliber on, it was a ton weight. And I lifted it, and the Spirit of God went like that and hit her on the thigh bone. And her leg turned. And here she is. <gasps> and she went like this. And I looked at her. And I never said to her. She started to open the leather straps. And she stood to her feet and ran down. And back up again. Guess what happened? Next thing, everybody jumps up. Pray for me. And I thought they were all like a bunch of dummies 10 minutes ago. But because they've seen God touch her. And you know what? I led 24 of those people to God that afternoon. And this is even part of the story. It's worth telling. When I was coming out, do you know what I realized? There was no Bibles in the place. No Bibles. I was sharing with the guys later that night, and I said, you know, they'll not grow in God if they have the Word of God to read. And I said, let's pray. And when I bowed my head, the Spirit of God said to me, you will meet a man tomorrow who will solve this problem. And I just says, oh, praise God. Okay, and the next day we were to go to the Glasgow airport to pick up a woman who was coming over to join our team. And the, the, my director brought me with him and he says, you can sit in the car while I go and meet her. And then I, the Spirit of God says to me, no. I says, no, I have to, I'm meeting somebody too. And here's what? And here's me, I have to go in too, James. And here's all. We walks into the airport and we're standing waiting and next thing, all I heard was, Packy Hamilton, is that you? And I turned around, and there was a guy that I had known, I'd met in London. He invited me to stay with him. And I'll tell you this, he was a man of God. I stayed with him for two weeks, and he was doing a 40-day fast. And I was in his company, and he said to a guy, I have news for you. And the guy says, well, he says, when you go home, your wife's going to tell you she's become a Christian. God sent an angel to her yesterday afternoon. And the next morning, I was in church. And they had a time of sharing. Guess who got up? The woman. And came up and started to share her testimony. And I witnessed that, so I knew he was a man of God. And I turned around, and he, he had just flown in from New York. And he says, what are you doing in Glasgow? I said, what are you doing in Glasgow? And we hugged each other. And I says, Laurie, listen. So I told him the story. And I says, there's no Bibles. I, I need Bibles. And here's all. <laughs> I says, what are you laughing at? He says, Packy, I packed three boxes of Bibles and brought them with me. And he says, I thought, why am I bringing Bibles to the UK? There's plenty of Bibles in the UK. I says, well, there's none in this rehab. And I says, in many is there? He says, I think there's three or four dozen. And I give him the details, and he drove to the place. Do you see? God goes before us, doesn't he? That's why I love being a Christian. 
You don't know what's going to happen next. I believe in signs and wonders. If I don't see signs, I begin to wonder. That's the reality of it. Let me tell you this. There's so much more of God. And in my walk with God, you know, we, my wife and I, we were discussing about angels. And my wife says, well, it's funny you never hear people saying the angels nowadays. I says they do, but they maybe don't recognize them. We had an experience not long after where an angel just dropped down in front of us and said, are you David Hamilton? And I live by faith. I have no salary. And my wife had looked in the shop window called Mother Care. And she was pregnant with our child. And she was saying, I would love those nappies. And she says, have you any money to buy them? And I says, I'm sorry, I haven't. And you know what? When we turned to walk away, I felt grieved in myself. I thought, you should be able to buy things for your baby coming. And I just says, Lord, I have no money. And I'd, I'd like to buy these for my wife. I feel bad that I can't. I was only walking look from here to that wall, and this man dropped right in front of me. Says, You David Hamilton? I says, I am. I was in a place, I just stopped my car, drawn them. I didn't know the name of the place or anything. Going for a walk. And he put an envelope in my hand. And I, this is what happened. I went to Sharon. Do you believe this? And she went, No, I don't. And when we turned, he just disappeared. Just like that. And when I opened it, there was £25. That's what the price of the nappies were. My card was filled in the back. I couldn't see out the mirror window with many nappies in it. Uh, there was a note when we opened it that said on the bit of paper, this is for your baby. And I'll tell you this, and then I'll stop, right? I was going to give out tracks. I always went out on a Friday and Saturday night and I would go out at 11 o'clock and get people at the nightlife area and give them tracks. I was going out the door and Sharon went, David, look, and she showed me a pound coin, says, that's all we have. And I says, right, okay, have you prayed about it? She says, I have. I says, I'll pray too. And I went down, got out at the Lockshore, walked around and just says, Lord, you know our need. And we have babies to feed. No, you'll have to do something. I give out my tracks as I usually did. I came home at 1.30 in the morning, opened the door and I walked in. Of course, the lights were all out. And I thought, what's that strange noise? And I walked over and I turned on the light and I looked and my carpet was covered in notes. Five and ten pound notes all over. And I just bent down and started to pick them up. And I just set this pile of money on the fireplace. And Sharon came down to me and said, where did you get that money? I said, it was over the floor when I came in. And I'm saying, that's, I see God do things like that. I, I do, I get, sorry. What? I can't hear you. The windows. Right, this is the last one now, I promise. <laughs> I was preaching in Holland, and Saturday was my day off, and I was there for three weeks, and the guy said to me, David, there's a youth conference, there's 3,000 young people at it, and they want you to come and speak to them. And I says, right, he says, it's tomorrow, and he says, I know it's your day off, but he says, it's in Belgium, and you could get Belgian chocolates. <laughs> and I thought, you're right, my wife loves chocolates. 
That was my motive for going. But here's the joke of it. We got to Antwerp, just had arrived, and the guys got, got out of the car, and my phone rang, and I lifts it. Sharon says to me, when are you coming home? I says, why are you missing me? She says, no, the window people are coming. I says, no, they're not. They're not coming for another six weeks. We're getting these PVC windows in. And when the guy came and measured them and all, I says, how much is it? He says, there's a sale on. Stops in five minutes. But if you get them now, you get them cheaper. I says, how much is it? Here's 3,000 pounds. I says, no, not the street, just my house. <laughs> 3,000 pounds? And I signed on the line because the deal was over in two minutes, so I thought they're going to double the price. Right? So you heard all that. The windows were falling out. But I want to tell you this. I says to her, no, we have to trust God in this. God knows. And she says, right, you're home on Tuesday. You can deal with it. And I put the phone in my pocket. And I just went like this. I says, Lord, did you hear that conversation? <laughs> and I thought, I've just driven an hour and a half to get here. I need a cup of coffee. And I looked across, and the church was over there, but I seen a coffee shop. So I walked over and walked in the door and there was a big long counter and there was a man sitting at the end and immediately he looked up at me and I seen him and I thought to myself, it must be a policeman. So I ordered a coffee and then the man got up and he came walking up towards me and here he is to the lady, I'll pay for that. And I says, that's very kind of you, thank you. And he smiled at me and he says, did you see me looking at you when you come in? I says, I did. He says, you know, I am a Christian. And then I says, so am I. Here's, I know. He says, because when you came through the door, the Spirit of God said to me, he is a man of God, but he has a problem, and you need to help him. And that man took out a checkbook and wrote me a check for 3,000 pounds. People say that's impossible. You're right, it's impossible. But not if you're serving the Most High God. Because God goes before us. A guy tried to stop me from going to America. wouldn't give me a visa. And I was to go on Easter Monday. And this was Easter Sunday night. I had no visa. And my phone rang in the early hours of the morning. Is that Pastor David Hummel? I says, it is. She says, this is the White House, Washington, D.C., Go down to London, the American Embassy, you will be given your passport. I did, and we were on the next flight. I don't know anybody in the White House, but I know a God above who said to me, you shall go. And he told me that, and that's the God that we serve. Seek him, spend time in his word. Ask God to baptize you with his Holy Spirit, and it'll bring you into the deeper things of God. Thank you for listening to that. <laughs>